Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, so we're in 2 Peter chapter 3. We're at the last part of the letter, very last epistle that Peter the Apostle wrote. This is before he would go to the cross. Now, Peter also died on a cross, but he didn't die the same way as our Lord. Remember, when he was about to be crucified, they, they said, we're, we're going to kill you the way that we killed your boss. And he said, I'm not worthy to die in the same manner. So could you turn me upside down? And he, at his request, they went, oh, okay, you really want a glutton for punishment, huh? So they, they granted his request and crucified him upside down. But Peter, he had already been told by the Lord that the, the time of his departure had come. Let me show you chapter 3 this evening. Now, I'm only going to do the first half of the chapter. It's, it's, it's so important to me that we break this up and really dissect it to see the stuff that he says. This stuff, this stuff that makes your face strong. You know, when you hear this, it strengthens you within. So he says this, starting in verse 1, it says, This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which, he says, I am stirring you up by since. Uh, by your sincere mind, by way of reminder. He says that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Now, what was the command of the Lord and Savior that they had spoken? What was that new commandment that they, well, we have it recorded for us in John 13, right? In verse 35, 36. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. I give you a commandment, not a suggestion. So he says, I'm just stirring you up by way of remembrance. I know you already heard this. You heard this at the hand of the apostles. And not only that, you had the holy scriptures. You've had marked out beforehand the words by the, by the prophets that have spoke about these. I know I'm not teaching you anything new, but I will remind you of this. Verse 3, he says, know this, first of all, that in the last days there will be mockers which will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues, just as it was from the beginning of creation. Did Peter know that there were mockers? The Jewish historian named Josephus, but he was a fellow that lived in the days of Jesus. He was a secular historian. We would kind of call him a chronicler of of that day, right, and the news of what was happening around town and, and the different political things and reporting these things, keeping a journal of it. And his stuff to read is boring. I, I, well, I'm just saying. It's not what you call holy inspired reading. It's, it's pretty dry. But he does make some remarks in there about Jesus, recognizing this guy that he was beaten brutally. I mean, he said that his beating was worse than any other fellow he'd ever seen when it came to, to Christ's public display that they scourged him and mocked him and spat on him. He gives a really horrific account of, I mean, detailed what they did to him. But not only that, he's, he writes some things about, about Peter. Not a lot, just a few things. That There was this one of his Jesus's followers, this guy named Peter, who denied that he knew Jesus. How many times in one night? Three times. Before the cock crowed twice, he had denied that he knew the Lord three times. And, and so Josephus made note that the people, when they would see this apostle go by, they, they, would, 
They go, just to rub it in his face. I mean, of all the things that people remember, isn't it amazing? You can do really great things. But if you mess up a little, like they don't make any mention of, of Peter walking on the water. Do you remember that Peter walked on water? Not just Jesus. When Jesus was on the water, who was the fellow in the boat who said, oh, Lord, if that's really you, bid me to come to you. That was Peter. And what was Jesus' words? Come. So Peter gets out of the boat. Now, did Peter walk on the water? Started walking to him. He's doing just fine. Then he took his eyes off of Jesus. And where did he look? At the storm. Yeah, oh no, a big storm. And he got scared and he began to sink and he cried out, Oh Lord, save me. And of course, the Lord saves him, puts him in the boat and says, Oh ye of little faith, Peter, Peter. But see, if I was Peter, when people would be maybe razzing me about the night that I denied the Lord, I'd be reminding them, I didn't see you get out of the boat and walk on water. But see, the things that go out about us are our failures. Don't be fooled. The world does not always recall your greatest accolades. In fact, sometimes they never even take note of those. They just remember that the guy who was fallen, oh, he fell. And for some reason, they delight very much when a minister falls. They remember all the, oh, did you hear about that minister fell into sin and he was, oh, they caught him and oh, it's terrible. Shame, shame, shame. But they don't remember all of the good works that that guy did his whole entire life. One time he slips up, and all they're going to do is remember that time. Well, that's how it was for Peter. Peter knew this. In fact, he says, let me tell you one thing so you remember this. Know this first of all. What's going to come? Look at verse 3. In the last days, what will come? Mockers. Mockers. What do mockers do? They mock. They tease you. They, well, in this case, he even says what they said. They, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? Didn't you Christians say Jesus is coming? I don't see him coming. You know, that's like, well, if I don't see it, then he must not be coming. But because the world doesn't see his coming or see it, the signs, does that mean we should abandon our faith? Am I going to base my faith on some secular folks and their idea? No. I'll tell you what, that's the worst thing you can do. Base it on their opinions and their mockings. Forget it. I got a question for you. If the Lord says he's coming, will he come? Is, is Jesus' word trustworthy? Like if, he's, if he said it, think we could bank on it? Like percentage-wise, you think we should give him, what, a 50-50 chance of coming true, what he said? If it's not true, this whole thing uh, lie. That's right. He gave it. He spoke it, and, and you know what that means? That means, I, personally, I just, I don't even have a, I don't give it a 95% chance. No, there's a 100% chance that Jesus will return. He will emphatically return. Why? Because who said he would come again? He did. So, so and in, right now, in this day that we live in, it, it seems we have the most signs that Jesus spoke of that would be coming to pass to make us alert to say, when you see these signs, when you see wars and rumors of wars and pestilence, famines, earthquakes, all these things beginning, you should look up because your redemption draws nigh. It's getting close. Now, that's the things of his second coming. I say, guys, we need to wake up. We need to be ready. We don't know. Now, some guys, 
in studying the scriptures point out that that could be his second coming in his glory. But there might be preceded by another event called the rapture. And some people teach it as the same event, some is separated. Listen, I am not going to be dogmatic because the more I study, the more I go, yeah, the both pieces are there of the puzzle. But how you want to put them together is, let's let the Lord put them together. He'll do a good job. But I can tell you this, the part where he said in the puzzle that says, in the last days, there will be these guys that will mock you and say, oh, he, they've been saying that for a long time. Bet he's not even going to come. Well, let me read to you what Peter points out. Because he knows there are people that mock. And he says this in verse 5. For when they maintain this, their mockings, they, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and that the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which it says the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But this present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not willing, the old King James says, or wishing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. When someone says to me, you're a pastor, what's God's will? I want to know what God's will is. I said, well, I can tell you, I can tell you right here out of Second Peter, from Peter who spoke to Jesus personally, he says it's God's will that none should perish. God wants all to come to repentance. The devil doesn't want everyone to repent and not perish because, you know, misery loves company. He wants you all to fool around with darkness and, and get deceived and join him in his punishment. But that's because he's going to be miserable and he knows it. But we weren't made for hell. In fact, Matthew's gospel tells us that hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for man. So I can tell guys that aren't doing right because they get really squirmy when you talk about hell. They get uncomfortable. Uh-oh, don't be talking about that. And I'm like, why? I'm not worried about it because I'm never going there. I have a Savior who has saved me from hell. And not only has he saved me, but while everyone else is mocking, well, he isn't back yet. He isn't back. I'm, I know why. I, right here. I see the motivation of God described to us. Why isn't he back? Because he's so patient. He's so kind. He's, so, he's waiting. You know, you might have a friend who doesn't know the Lord. You might have a family member that you really care about, and you want them to go to heaven with you. And they're not quite walking the right way yet. See, if it's up to me, we'd already be in heaven. Because I would have said, yeah, I'm in the club. Good enough. Let's go. Right? I, what do I have to wait for someone else? I don't want to wait. I figure once I was in, that's, isn't that the group is now fulfilled? Izzy is now part of the group. Let's go. Right? We should all go to God goes, still more. And I go, oh. But can you see the love and the patience of God? For knock. What if he would have come, like back in the 70s, there was that big Jesus people movement and all these people getting saved. And what if, what if after one of Billy Graham's big crusades back then, 
the Lord said, okay, we got enough, let's go. I wouldn't be with the Lord because I didn't come to Christ yet by that point. And thank God that this verse expresses his patience toward us. Now, this is a fact, a fact, not a myth, not a fairy tale, not a fable. Peter says, remember this fact. Okay. If Now, Peter's about to die, and he knows it, and he's not mincing any words. And he tells me, mockers will come, and they're going to be mocking that Jesus, oh, yeah, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And they're going to be making fun of you. He says, remember this fact. What's the fact that you need to remember? That with the Lord, beloved, one day is as, as, as is a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day to the Lord to wait another day for another hundreds and hundreds of thousands of souls to the Lord. I'll just wait another day. But for us, one of the Lord's days is a thousand years. We're, we get impatient, but we need to remember this fact that the Lord's perspective is different than ours. But just to let you know, one hour with the Lord, just one hour, is 41 and two-thirds years of our, uh, of our time. Just an hour. Just wait an hour. I went 40, 41 and two-thirds years. If, 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 he says, if he says, wait a minute, that's 253 and a half days. Just a minute. Have you ever felt like that, by the way, when you asked for something? And you were waiting for the answer, and it just seemed to drag out. Well, look at this. If the Lord says, wait a minute, oh, my, 253 days, you get to wait. This is not um, an and a half, by the way, 253 and a half days just for waiting one minute. He says, wait a couple minutes, and oh, my, we're, you know, a year and a half later, you get your answer. What if he just says, wait a second? Because that's what I do sometimes to make it. Wait a second. How long is a second? One second breaks down to this. Four days, five hours, 23 minutes, and 17 seconds. So a little over four days. Just one second. If he says, wait a second, I'll give you an answer in a second. This is why I think we get really impatient because we're not thinking on God's perspective. His patience is just way beyond ours. And for that, I'm grateful. Really, I am. Because think about it. If his patience wasn't so endearing, how many of us, what if he would have just said, ah, we got to the 1800s, that's enough, let's roll it up and go home. Right? And all of those that came to Christ that would have, that would have through the 1900s and the new millennium, we'd all be not included. But God can look forward. Jesus was called in, in the book of Revelation, the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. Jesus is that whole thing, and he's so patient. He says, guys, don't worry. I'm going to my father's house now, and I'm going to go prepare a place for you so that when I'm done, I'll come and I'll receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You get to come be with me. Now, this is his patience. But we forget his patience. We forget his will. 
If I had God's perspective uh, just on his patience, how patient he is, if I understood the reason for his patience, this is the part that I don't want you to let escape your notice. What's his reason for being patient? Because he's so loving. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And if we would remember this, then my whole filter of sorting things through my brain can be a little bit helped. Even the guys that are doing wrong, even the guys that are doing evil right now, our God doesn't want them to perish. He wants them to come to repentance. He wants them to have everlasting, just as much as he wanted us to. He wants them to. And if we forget that one fact as a church, we literally forget that fact that our God is so patient and just wants them to be saved. I do believe that as, as American Christianity, we kind of gotten away from the, the roots of the message. You know, the main, like, what's the main thing? If someone said, boil down the whole Christian message to the very simplest message that is the, the whole foundation of the thing. Just tell me the most important stuff I need to know. What would you tell them? John yeah, John 3.16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Peter says, it's not God's will for anyone to perish. He wants them all to have everlasting life by coming to repentance. Just turn away from your sin and get saved. Get everlasting life. That's God's will. And I think that would be a very good verse to point out, you know, John 3.16 as, here's the foundation, the truth of the whole book. This is what God did of all this because he doesn't want us to perish. He doesn't want any to perish. He loves, but the church has become judgmental instead of saying, God, this doesn't want that person to perish. We need to pray for them. Gary blessed us with going to this movie on Sunday for our, our anniversary. For Jan and I, we went to this uh, war room. And in the movie War Room, I don't want to give you a spoiler. It's a really good movie if you haven't seen it. But it's a Christian movie, and an older lady begins to teach a younger lady how to pray for her family, how to pray for the situations around her, how to become a woman who fights the battle, not by fighting in her own flesh, but by spiritually turning it to God. And it's got a powerful message, beautiful. And I, just, I was just enjoying the movie, and I was thinking, this really goes along with what, what the Lord's been showing me for what Peter was saying. Guys, think about what God's will is. Don't let this fact. Escape your notice. Don't let it somehow, no matter what version or, or style of Christian worship you're used to or whatever expression of your, of your faith, whatever group you gather with, don't forget the fact that God's patient and he's patiently waiting for souls. He wants them to be saved. And I think that movie was a great stirring to, to remember. Let's get on our knees and pray for these people so that they too can experience what God, because through prayer, we can see so much more change than just talking about it or then campaigning about it or doing something, you know, in the social media circle about it. I think prayer is where the power is. Not, I mean, I'm not saying that those are, you know, other arenas, but I want to be in the arena God wants me in. I think he wants me to be a person of prayer.
And he's going to take from this idea that God is patient and that he is sending his son and that he is going to judge this world. He's going to turn it now to our personal lives. If that's the case, what kind of people should we be? So let's pray. Lord, thank you for, for your word. Thank you that you are a patient God. I am so grateful, Lord, that you had patience to wait for me. And I know there's a few folks that we love and care about that you're waiting for also. So as we close tonight, we want to come in prayer for those individuals, Lord, that you would save them, that your kindness and your mercy would be shown to them in a way, revealed to them that they would come to know you and they would come to repentance. Bring those that are doing wrong to repentance, that they too could just enjoy your salvation. Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone that agree with me said, Amen. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
I'm feeling.